So my family has a cottage on Lake Huron, about an hour north of London, Ontario. And if you don't know, Lake Huron is a fairly uh, unpredictable there are days when we will go check on the lake in the morning, and it's like glass, uh, only for the wind to pick up and the waves to swell by the time we go down to swim in the afternoon, and it's not safe to go swimming in the water anymore. I remember one summer, I was probably, I don't know, eight or ten, we had some family friends over and we wanted to go swimming. But the weather had other ideas. When we had checked the lake in the morning, it had been calm. But by the time we went to go swim in the afternoon, the waves were massive. In hindsight, we probably should not have gone swimming. But our friends were only staying with us for a short while, so we decided to go and try swimming anyway. That ended up being a mistake. The adults were okay, but us kids, we were in trouble. Some of the waves were literally taller than we were. We were being pulled under with every swell. We were in over our heads figuratively and literally. And there was a very real risk that we could have drowned. I think about that memory whenever I read the story of Jesus walking on water. The disciples were in a pretty similar situation. They were also in the middle of a lake, in over their heads, with waves that were way too big to handle. On top of that, Jesus wasn't with them. By this point in the gospel story, Jesus had already calmed a storm once, but he'd been in the boat with them that time. This time, the disciples were alone on the lake, and Jesus was back on the shore. It seemed like the disciples were going to have to deal with the storm themselves this time. I imagine the disciples were probably seriously questioning Jesus at that point. Why had he sent them out onto the lake? And why hadn't he come with them? Had Jesus made a mistake? In life, we often find ourselves in stormy situations, too. Maybe something goes wrong at work. Maybe there's some family drama. Maybe there's a worldwide pandemic. Sometimes we can see the storms coming, but sometimes we can't. And when we find ourselves in stormy situations, we are often asking the kinds of questions the disciples are probably asking. Where is Jesus in this? Did God make a mistake? These are the kinds of questions that I hope to answer for you today as we walk through the story of Jesus walking on water. But before we get into that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here together this morning to hear your word for us today. Open our hearts and our minds to receive it. Father, if there's anyone listening right now, either in person or online or after the fact, who is going through a difficult time in their life, I pray that this message would help them see the ways that you are at work in their situation. Help them feel your closeness in whatever they're going through. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this month we're doing a series on the miracles of Jesus. And when we read the miracle stories, it's easy to see them as Jesus just meeting the needs of the day. Kind of like divine charity work. Jesus sees someone who's sick, he heals them because that's what he's supposed to do, and then he goes back to the more important task of teaching, which is what we often pay attention to today. It's easy to think about the miracle stories as proving that Jesus was the promised one in a broad sense, 
but to think of them as all basically interchangeable. Right? Just the fact that he was a miracle worker proves that he has the power of God. But the miracle stories continue to speak today in very specific ways. They teach us about who Jesus is and how we should respond to him. And importantly, they teach us different parts of who Jesus is and how we should respond to him. They're not just broadly interchangeable. They each tell us something important and unique. Last week, Gord preached on the feeding of the 5,000. And the story of Jesus walking on water actually occurs right after that. They are back-to-back in the narrative. And while the feeding of the 5,000 was a very public miracle, it was performed in front of 5,000 people, this story, this miracle, is a very private one for the disciples' eyes only. They're the only ones there to see it. But even so, I think this story continues to speak powerfully today. Even though at the time it was only meant for the disciples' eyes, it reveals things that are true for all people in all times. So let's take a look. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowds. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So it's easy to miss, but Mark specifically says that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. The original Greek here actually means to force or to compel. Jesus had to really put in the work to convince the disciples to go. They didn't want to go, and Jesus had to make them go. Now, several of the disciples were fishermen. For them, being able to predict the weather accurately was sometimes a matter of life and death. You really don't want to be out fishing in the middle of a storm. You may have heard the the, the saying, red sky at morning, sailors take warning, red sky at night, sailors delight. And that saying exists because people who work on the water need to know how to read the weather. And so I think it's safe to say that the disciples probably had some idea that the storm was coming. I imagine them looking up at the sky and going, I don't know, Jesus. Those clouds look pretty ominous. But then Jesus insisting, no, it's fine, go on ahead. I'll meet you on the other side. And the disciples, trusting the wisdom of their teacher, agree to go against their own judgment. It's the same in our own lives. Sometimes God intentionally sends us into stormy situations. He can see see a storm is coming, and he intentionally puts one or more of his followers in the middle of it. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that God causes the storms in our lives. I'm not saying that God causes bad things to happen. But sometimes he sees a storm on the horizon and decides, you know what, I want one of my followers right there. And sometimes we can see it too, and he asks us to go against our own judgment. If you find yourself in a stormy situation, or called to a stormy situation, that might be right where God wants you to be. And to understand why God might want you to be there, we need to keep reading the story. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So Jesus saw that the wind was against them. He knew that the disciples were struggling. And this is another small detail that's easy to miss, but it's actually really important. At this point in the story, the disciples were in the middle of a lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. There's no way a regular person would have been able to see the disciples from shore. 
even if they were up on a mountain like Jesus was. If you've ever tried to drive through a rainstorm at night, you know that you can't see more than 100 meters out in front of you in conditions like that. And yet Mark tells us that Jesus was able to see the disciples miles away in the middle of the lake. It was no ordinary scene. And the same with us today. God sees you in your stormy situation. He hasn't forgotten about you. Even when it feels like God is really far away, which I'm sure is what the disciples were feeling out in the middle of that lake, God knows what you're going through. He cares about your situation. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So sparrows were the cheapest meat item that you could buy in that part of the world at that time. You could eat for cheaper, but it would basically just be be grain or carbs. And if we do a bit of currency conversion, one sparrow would have been worth about eight of today's dollars. So a modern equivalent would be going to the McDonald's just over there on Carling Avenue and buying a Big Mac. Sparrows were the Big Macs of the ancient world. And yet, God still kept them in mind. You're worth a lot more than one Big Mac. Even when it feels like God has forgotten about you, he hasn't. God sees you in your stormy situation. And he will go out on that lake to rescue you. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. Shortly before dawn is when Jesus chooses to go out to the disciples. So as a reminder, this story started after the feeding of the 5,000. That's after dinner. The disciples had begun their boat trip the previous evening, and it was now the next morning. The disciples had been rowing for hours and hours and still had not made it to the other side. I've gone kayaking out of my cottage when it's just moderately wavy. And let me tell you, it is hard work rowing against waves. And that's just on the days that it's safe to go out. So the waves aren't even that big. And I'm not even out for that long. I'm like, not even an hour, usually. The disciples had been rowing for six hours, probably eight, against enormous storm-sized waves. They must have been exhausted. And yet, Jesus waits until it's almost dawn to go out and save them. What's up with that? Well, the truth is that God works with his timing and not ours. He doesn't always save us from our stormy situations right away. Sometimes God waits before rescuing us from difficult circumstances. My undergraduate was in computer science programming. And one summer between my school years, I had a really hard time finding work. I must have sent out, I don't know, hundreds of resumes. And, you know, to be fair, I did get to the first stage of the interview process a couple times. But ultimately, I could not find work. The field was just too competitive. And it was starting to become a real problem for me. And then one day, I was talking with the elders at Canada Baptist Church, which is where I was attending at the time. And the elder said to me, oh, actually, I need a website designer for my small business. And that job ended up being perfect for me. The pay wasn't the best, but the work environment was really relaxed. My hours were very flexible, and it was close to my house, so I could bike there. It was what I needed that summer. And if I had gotten any of the other jobs that I had applied to first, I would not have ended up at the job that I did. God made me wait through the uncertainty and the nervousness nervousness of potentially not having a job that summer so he could put me where he wanted me. 
God rescues us from stormy situations with his timing and not ours. So after going on the lake, Jesus was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking in the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. So Jesus was going to pass by them. That seems a little cold, right? Like, oh yeah, you guys have fun struggling against the storm. I'm going to walk over and I'll see you on the other side. Kind of seems like Jesus was planning to leave them there. But that's not really what Mark means when he says Jesus was going to pass by them. Mark's actually making an Old Testament reference here. To pass by has a very particular meaning in the Bible. In the Exodus story, when God wants to reveal his glory to Moses, he says that he will pass by Moses after putting him in a cleft in the rock. And in 1 Kings, when Elijah meets God at Mount Horeb, it's described as God passing by Elijah. And there are more Bible stories that use that kind of language. Those are just two examples. When God passes by, it actually means he's drawing close and revealing himself to those he is passing by. It's a sign of his closeness, not his distance. And that's not the only way that Jesus reveals himself to the disciples in this passage. When he wants to calm the disciples' fear, he says, it is I. At least that's how most Bible translations translate the passage. And it's not technically wrong. That's what the phrase literally means. But there's a deeper meaning here that is disguised by that translation, and it doesn't really come across in English. The phrase that Jesus speaks here in Greek is ego eimi. And I'll I'll break down what that means for those of you that don't speak Greek. Uh, So ego is the first person pronoun I or me. It's the word you use to refer to yourself. And we actually still have this in the English language. Somebody's ego is their perception of their self. We use the term ego to refer to things having to do with the self and the first person. Eimi, meanwhile, is the Greek word for the verb to be. So that's the word is, or was, or will be. So if I wanted to say the ball is red in Greek, the verb of that sentence, is, would be, amy. And when you put those two words together, in that order, you get the phrase, I am, which echoes the divine name of God. When God speaks to Moses through the burning bush, that's what he says his name is. When Jesus wants to tell the disciples that they don't need to be scared. He echoes the divine name of God. And that brings us to the point of this passage. Stormy situations are a chance for God to reveal his glory. Difficult circumstances are a chance for God to reveal his power and his goodness. Last week, Gord talked about how miracles are a big part of the growth of Christianity in other parts of the world, like Africa and Asia. And even here in North America, some of the most powerful testimonies that I have heard have included God intervening powerfully in someone's life when they most needed it. But if somebody's going to be healed, they need to be sick first. If we never did anything that we needed to be saved from, God wouldn't have any opportunities to show us how powerful and how good he is. Again, I'm not saying that God causes these situations to happen. I don't think that. What I am saying is that stormy situations aren't just bad situations to be in. They're also opportunities to see God at work. 
Unfortunately, we often don't recognize God when he's at work in our stormy situations. And in this case, neither did the disciples. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. The disciples had just watched Jesus multiply a few fish and a bit of bread into enough food to feed 5,000 people the previous night. And then, the next morning, Jesus had walked out on the water to save them from the storm. And despite seeing all these miraculous things happen, they still didn't understand that Jesus was the chosen one, the Messiah. And to be fair, I don't really blame them. They were just in a life-threatening situation. They probably weren't thinking about their Old Testament references. But because of that, they were so focused on the storm that they didn't recognize what Jesus was doing. And it's the same in our own lives. We're often so focused on our stormy situations that we don't see what God is doing. There's a classic story about a man who dreamed he was walking along a beach with God. As he's walking along, scenes from his life flash across the sky. He looks back and sees footprints in the sand. One set is his and one set is God's. And he notices that the hardest times in his life, there's only one set of footprints. And so he asks God, what's the deal? I thought you promised never leave me or forsake me. And yet during all the hardest times in my life, I walked alone. And God says to him, my child, those were the times that I carried you. If you want to see God at work in your stormy situations, you need to focus less on the storms and focus more on him. Ultimately, I did not drown on that stormy day at my cottage all those years ago, believe it or not. And neither did any of the other kids that we were with. We didn't drown because our parents were there with us. The waves that were over our heads were no trouble at all for them, and they were able to carry us back to shore. Your heavenly Father is stronger than the storms in your life. And your stormy situation might be a chance for him to reveal just how strong he is. When you find yourself in a stormy situation, look for God's power and his glory in the storms. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who stills the storms in our lives. Thank you for showing your power and carrying us when we are weak, even when we don't understand what you're doing. Lord, help us recognize when you're at work in our lives. We're often so focused on the storm around us that we don't understand what you're trying to show us. Help us focus on what really matters, you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.